Thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Podcast. We love to hear about life change in our church. So if you have a story about how God has used Velocity to make a difference in your life, send an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. We are in week three of a four-part series called Force of Habit. And what we've been doing in this series is really looking to God's Word to discover some keys that'll help us put the disciplines in our life to become the people God has called us to become. Now, habits are powerful. We've been looking at this. And the reason why they're so powerful is because it's those things that we do consistently that determine who we become eventually. That there's small little disciplines in our life, but those small things over time determine who we become. And I've really been enjoying this series together because not only do I believe the things we're learning, they have the potential to set up our year for success, but I really believe that they have the power to help us become the person God has called us to be. And if you missed the first week, that's exactly what we talked about. We talked about the power of who. We said, before you start with anything, you need to start with who is it God has called me to be and who is it that I wanna become because our identity shapes our actions. In fact, I told you, if you weren't here, I said, what you should do is don't focus on the thing that you're trying to achieve. Focus on the person that you wanna become. Start with a who goal, not a do goal. And so we talked about that. I won't re-preach all of that, but the truth is a lot of us are letting a wrong identity shape negative habits in our lives. That's why it's so important to come to church and learn about who you are in Christ and who God has called you to be because as a Christian, Christians believe that when you place your faith in Christ, that you're made new and that that is your new identity. Who the Bible says you are is who you really are. So that was the first week and then last week we heard a great message from Pastor Andrew. Did you guys enjoy that message? Great message. He did awesome. I liked it for a lot of reasons. One, I learned a lot about plants, so that was good. Um, But also, because he reinforced this idea that success doesn't come from big changes, but really small changes over time. And I actually did an entire series on that one thought. I don't know, anybody remember the series, Dream Bigger, Start Smaller? Anybody here for that? If you're the OG, if you're here for that, that was a long time ago. But it's this truth that, You don't have to make these big changes if you just start with something small. If you just take a step today, you'd be surprised how one small step can lead to a powerful habit. That's really what we're doing with our Teach Us to Pray. I don't know if you've been engaging with that, whether it's on social media or you've been getting the email, but I just think lots of times we have, uh, we, we struggle to be people of prayer. Like we might have a desire to pray. We have a desire, hey, I really want to set aside time to connect with God every day, but it can be a challenge. And yet, for most of us, we have no problem at all checking social media every day, checking our email every day, watching YouTube every day. And so I just thought, man, if we could like take something that you're already doing, and how about before you waste minutes of your life looking at snapshots of somebody else's life, well, b- before you get into jump right into work and check your email, what if you just got a reminder? Hey, let's connect with God this morning. And, and that's, that's the power of small. That's what we were looking at last week. Well, 
Today we're going to continue the series, and I, I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. I think you're going to love this. This isn't going to be something that you soon forget. And to learn about our subject, we're going to look in the book of Genesis. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and find your way there. Uh, if you use your phone or, or, or iPad, tablet, whatever it is you use, that's Honestly, that's what I use the most to read my Bible. Uh, you can tap your way there, Genesis chapter 28. And uh, version is an awesome tool. Uh, I, I want to encourage you to, to download that if you haven't. It's an app you can download for a digital Bible. But Genesis chapter 28, verse 10, that's where we're going to start. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And when he reached a certain place... Do me a favor, say a certain place. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. And he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with his top reaching to heaven. And a woman who thinks that all glitters is gold. So that's a dip, sorry, that's a different. Um, <laughs> And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. And I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. And your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I'm with you. And will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. I want to use this text today to talk to you about the power of place. The power of place. Now, if you're new here, it's always my custom to pray before we get into the preaching of God's word. So I would just ask that you would bow your head with me. Let's take a moment, go to God, put our attention on him, and ask him to speak to us through his word today. God, thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that every time we open up your word and look to your word, you speak to us. And God, I ask that you would do it again, that you would use me. It wouldn't be my thoughts, my ideas, but Lord, your very word going forth. I thank you for it, Father. Believe you'll do it. I know you will. And everybody who agrees with that can say, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, how many of you consider yourselves to be an organized person? Can I just see your hand, your organized people? Really just appreciate the honesty of everybody who didn't raise their hands. Like, yes, I'm a slob, not even going to try. Just want to throw that out. I mean, you could have lied, but you, you just decided you want to let people know you are not organized. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, I'm with you. Like, I, I thought I was an organized person. I always thought I was an organized person until I got married. Um, because Marissa takes organization to just a whole nother level. I mean, I mean really. She, to, to put this in perspective, her favorite store next to Target, okay, Target's the favorite, but her favorite store next to Target is the container store. I didn't even know that there was a... St if you don't know what the container store is, just use your imagination. It's a store that only sells containers. Her storage tubs have storage tubs. That's how it is in our, in our house. 
Um, you know, I mean, we can pick out anything, and, and the girl is organized. I mean, we start in her closet. Um, like, like the closet's super organized. All the shoes have little boxes that she got at the container store, puts her shoes in. You know, like basics of closet, or I'm not even talking like, of course they all face the same way. Like that is the elementary principles of closet organization. I'm talking they are color-coded. They, they are separated by, by length, design, type, designer, fabric, like all of this. It, it her, the, the, the closet, it, it's, it's amazing. You could go shopping in there. She's got sections of things she hasn't even worn yet. That's, that's, that's how the closet's organized. I mean, she, she's got labels for her labels. That, that, this is what it's like in, in our house. And I know some of you think, man, that must be such a blessing being married to an incredibly, you know, organizational freak, I mean, person. And, um, <laughs> and, and you know, there's good things about it, like, like, like our, our, our house, is, it, everything's got a place. I like, like I love that. Um, but the problem is, like, it's so organized, sometimes I'm not sure if I do things right. Like, we've been married, we're coming up on, on 17 years. It's taken me 16 years just to figure out how to make the bed. Uh, now, I know how to make a bed, just to make it to the level of detail that she, with all the pillows and which one you karate chop and all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> it's like I'm not sure that there's a lot that goes into it. And, and uh, it's, it's not just that, like, like her level of organization, like, like I, I will, just for example, like I will put our shoes, my shoes in, in the closet, so where, where shoes go. Of course, being married to her, now all my shoes are in boxes, but I'll put my shoes in the closet, shoes that I plan on wearing the next day or maybe later that day. And uh, I'll go back in the closet, and they've been put in a box. So now I have to, like, get them out of a box just to put them on. I'm just saying, like, the girl is organized. And uh, in her mind, everything, you know, has a place, and there really is a place for everything. And, and I, I don't know, maybe it's because she's so particular about everything being in the proper place and in the right place that I was drawn to this text this week because when I read this text, the truth is everything is out of place. Everything's out of place. Everything's out of place because Jacob is out of place. Now, may, maybe you don't know uh, a lot about Jacob. Maybe you're not familiar with the Bible. I'll, I'll just give you a little context on, on Jacob. Jacob, he's a pretty famous character in the Bible. You, you've heard of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's this Jacob. Uh, that he's, we've read that in the text. I'm God of your father, Abraham, his grandfather. Your father, Isaac, that was his father. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob is significant because... Jacob is the one who later had his name changed to Israel. And if you're following along with the context clues, it was out of Jacob, out of Israel, that God brought forth a nation, the nation of Israel. It's this holy people who we made a covenant with. We actually just read this promise that God made with him there. And I like Jacob for that reason because Jacob was a guy who knew what it was like to start out one way, who knew what it was like to live at one level, and yet have a desire to become something greater. You see, like Jacob, he, he had habits that were preventing him from being who God called him to be. He, had, he, he knew like he had a desire in him for something great, but his habits were not helping him. You, you see, like Jacob, you understand, like Jacob was a troublemaker. Jacob was a trickster. Jacob was a liar. J Jacob was, was this guy who was always trying to manipulate situations into his favor. God had a great plan for his life, but how Jacob acted, the habits that he lived with, 
were out of alignment with who God had called him to be. And when we find Jacob in Genesis chapter 28, this chapter that we just read, he's in transition and he's in trouble. He's manipulated his way into a blessing from his father. And that manipulation now has caused him to have to be on the run and hide from his brother. He left a place, his home, he left a place that was comfortable to go to a place that he's never been before. And when I read that he left Beersheba to set out for Haran, I kind of thought maybe some of you can relate to that because as maybe you're engaging and connecting with God and with us through these 21 days of prayer and fasting, maybe you're leaving some places of comfort. Maybe you're leaving some things behind that you've cuddled up to for too long, and you're setting out for a place that you've never been before, but you know that God is calling you to. Well, he's about 60 miles into his journey when we catch up with him. What have taken him a few days from Beersheba, the sun begins to go down, and the Bible says he stops at a certain place, he takes a rock, uses it as a pillow, and then lays down. This guy who's on the run, in trouble, in transition, sleeping on a rock. You could say we meet Jacob between a rock and a hard place. <laughs> you, you, you could say that he has made his bed and now he has to lie in it. Should I keep going? You could say, all right, we'll just keep going with it. All right, now, now we read in the text that he has this vision, and, and th this vision, this revelation, it's spectacular. It, it's he says, this is awesome. Th those are his words. But for me, it's not the vision that's spectacular. It's the context that's significant. And, and that's what I want to point out to you. Because it's not when he's at his destination that God appears to him. It's, why he's on, it's while he's on his way on his way, and that's encouraging to me because maybe, maybe that describes you. We're in the third Sunday of the year. Maybe you've been coming every week, or if you couldn't be here, you, you got the messages online, and, and you're like, okay, pastor, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all about this, right? I'm, I'm starting out, I'm inspired, I've got some goals, and my goals are, are who goals, not do goals. I'm thinking about who I wanna become, who I wanna be, who God's called me to be, and, and I listened to Pastor Andrew's message last week, and I'm, I'm starting small, and, and I'm really motivated. I've got a lot of energy towards who God is calling me to be. I'm excited about this. But sometimes I think we're waiting to see God's power show up in our lives until we arrive. Like, like we think we have to get our lives cleaned up before God will show up. We, we think we gotta get to where we're headed. The person that... We wanna become before God can use us. But what we see is that Jacob, 60 miles outside Beersheba, maybe a three days journey, really he's just at the very beginning of his journey. He has just started out. He's not yet to Laban's house, that's where he's gonna go. He, he's not yet to the place where he's gonna get a wife. He's not yet to the place where he's gonna be safe, where he's gonna be secure. He's not yet at that place, but God shows up. And he stopped because the sun is set and he sees the power of God in a place that
that he doesn't expect. Now, what he sees in his sleep, this vision, this dream, this revelation, it would have been really familiar to a lot of people in Mesopotamian culture. Because what, what he sees is this staircase, or really, it probably would have been what's called a ziggurat. You maybe are familiar with those from studying world history uh, early on in, in school. Uh, Mesopotamian culture, they believe that deities would travel down from heaven to earth and back up to heaven on, on these ziggurats or these, these staircases. And, and it's interesting in Jacob's dream because it's a little different. I don't, I don't know if you noticed this when I read it, but in his dream, it said that they were ascending and descending. In, order, in other words, that the order is different. And, and that order is important because what it's showing us is that it didn't start in heaven. It started on earth. They, they went up and, and then they went down. And I just want to point that out to you because sometimes I feel like we approach God this way, like we're waiting for God's power to show up, like we're waiting for God to move in our behalf. We're waiting for God to release what is stored up in heaven. But what this shows us, and it's just worth pointing out to you, the truth is God is awaiting our initiative here on earth. God, God, God is waiting God's not going to send something down until we do something here first. Hashtag make room for a miracle, somebody. You can go listen to that series. But I want to point out to you, Jacob's in this place. I want you to notice how he saw God's power show up. Because he didn't see God's power show up when he tricked his brother into selling his birthright for a bowl of beans. That happens earlier in Jacob's story. God's power didn't show up then. He didn't see God's power show up when he tricked his dad into giving him a blessing. That's something else that, that Jacob did. It's the reason why he's on the run. He didn't see God's power show up when he was grabbing at heels. That's, that's his name. That's what it means, this heel grab. This guy's always trying to strive for something, make something happen, manipulate a situation into his favor. He doesn't see God's power show up through his manipulation, through his effort. The, the place where he sees God's power, the way he sees God's power show up is when he stopped trying with his efforts and he rested in a certain place. And this is the first thing I want to tell you. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. There's power in placement. There's power in placement. Now, before I get into the spiritual application about this, and, I, and I'm going to do that, one of the series Force of Habit, I want to speak very, very practically to you. There's, there's power in placement. This is something that my wife understands really, really well. And so I think, oh, I get it because she's so organized. You're talking about at home. No, I'm not talking about at home. I'm talking about when she goes to Target. The, there's power in placement. Because, see, my wife it is somehow physically impossible for her to go to Target and not walk out spending $100. I'm just curious, does anybody else have this disease? Husbands, I'm like, don't raise your hand. I'm just saying like, okay, this is a true story. I'm not making this up. I called her this week, right? I called her, I was like, hey babe, how you doing? She's like, oh, I'm just, I'm just going to Target. I said, oh, what, really, what are you going to Target for? Oh, I have to get some face wash. Now, bear in mind, this is the third day in a row that she has gone to Target. The third day. Powerful things happen on the third day. So 
I said, I'm just getting some face walls. She comes home with two full shopping bags and one small end table. I'm just trying to help you understand there is power in placement. Why is that? Because studies show that your environment matters more than your effort. It doesn't matter how much she tries, how much she wants to stay to the list. It doesn't matter if she's got one thing on the list. When she gets in that environment, triggers something in her to think, man, this, this is like the rule. I, I can't walk out of here without spending 100 bucks. But think about it this way. We don't make choices because of what they are. We make choices because of where they are. You don't make a choice because of what the choice is in front of you. You make a choice because it's in front of you. Put it in another perspective. Any given Sunday, uh, when I bring my kids to church, to downtown campus, right? Any given Sunday, if you were to walk up to my kids, and I'm not suggesting you do this, but if you were to walk up to my kids and just pat them down, just pat, pat down the, their pockets, you are probably going to find somewhere between 28 to 35 mints in each pocket, <laughs> all right? Now, from that experience, you could draw a few conclusions. One, that they have a mint addiction. It's logical. You would think that it may be the case. You, you might think that, okay, uh, these kids are really into fresh breath. I mean, Marissa's organized, maybe. They're all about hygiene, fresh breath. Also be logical. Or you might conclude that when they walk into an environment where there is a big jar of open, free offering of something that looks like candy, they cannot resist the urge to fill their pockets. Can I tell you, they have never come up to me at home, Dad, do you have a mint? <laughs> they don't care about mints. It's all about the environment. And, and what I'm trying to say is that we spend all sorts of time and money and energy trying to change our behavior, but we don't give any thought to our environment. This is why coming to church and getting in a group is so important. Which, by the way, we're going to have groups kicking off in just a few weeks. Our signups for groups actually start next week. And we've got a lot of groups to choose from. I'm really excited about our leaders, what they're doing. I'm really excited about what God's going to do in people's lives over groups this next semester. In fact, I want to tell you about a new group that uh, we've never offered before, but took all of our leaders through it last semester, and we've got a number of people leading it this semester, a group called Freedom. And it'd be my heart that everybody in our church, that if you've come to church here, that in a three-year span, you would at least go through Freedom, because I believe in it that much. I think it can help you that much. But why am I talking about that? Because studies show you are going to become like the people you spend time with. Over and over and over again, studies show you will be not like the people you like, not like the people you admire, not even who you consider your best friend who lives, you know, five hours away. It is the people that you spend time with. Now, we don't need studies to prove this. Scripture tells us this. Scripture says, walk with the wise, you'll become wise. Scripture says, don't be misled. Don't be fooled. Bad company corrupts good character. 
This is the truth of God's word. So one of the best things you can do into becoming the person God has called you to become is to be in this environment, is to make it a priority, is to get in a group, even if it's not convenient, even if you don't feel like it, even, even if it's, it's, it doesn't always work with your schedule, by being in this environment, it is gonna have a bigger impact than your efforts. It's gonna have a bigger impact than your motivation. It's gonna have a bigger impact than your willpower. Because there's power in placement. And you can be strengthened by it, or you can struggle because of it. But the good news is, you can decide what your environment is. You can either be the victim of your environment or you can be the architect of it. And Jacob shows us how. Let's get back to scripture. In Genesis 28, verse 16, it says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. So Jacob woke up to the power that was in a place. God didn't show up in power after Jacob woke up. Jacob woke up to the power that was already there. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor, just ask him, are you woke? Are, are you woke? Woke is not a new word, right? Jacob, <laughs> J -J Jacob was woke. He was woke to God's power in this place. The power was there along. He just didn't see it right away. But as what he did next, that kind of caught me by surprise. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Because the very next verse, he does something very, very strange. And well, I'll explain it this way. I'm, I'm 37 years old, okay? And uh, I don't know how old you think I am, how old uh, you, you think I look, maybe some that older, younger. I said, I like, I'm not saying I feel 37 years old. I don't even know what to do with that. What I am trying to tell you, though, is that, well, th there's, there's moments in your life where you realize you're no longer in your 20s, okay? Everybody 37 and above, can you just like bear witness to that? Like there's moments where you, you realize you are no longer in your 20s. And I don't know what those moments are for you. Some of you might be like, oh, well, it's it when he had a teenager. Look, I have a teenager. That wasn't the moment for me, okay? So you're like, oh, well, well, maybe it was something else. Like it wasn't the moment that I started seeing some gray in my beard or, or the salt and pepper in my hair, which everybody pointed out to me. Thank you very much, all right? <laughs> Marissa likes it, I don't care, it wasn't the moment for me. Um, I did feel it a little bit when a couple of my staff started calling me dad. Thanks, Nate, I appreciate that. Um, felt a little bit, but that, that wasn't the moment. That wasn't the moment for me. Uh, the, the moment I realized, okay, I am no longer in my 20s, <laughs> was when I started caring about my bed and pillows, all right? You know what I'm talking about? You're laughing, you know what I'm talking about? Because see, like, like Marissa and I got married young, and when you're in your 20s and you're shopping for a bed, you only care about one thing. Like, like when you are shopping for a bed in your 20s and you're married, you're, you're, you got one thing on your mind. There is one priority, one, one value by which you measure whether it's a good bed or not, and that's how much it costs. So um, what'd you think I was talking about? <laughs> We're in church, man. But in your 30s, in your 30s, it's completely different. Late 30s, at some point, once you get in 30s, you start thinking, how is my back gonna feel in the morning when I wake up? 
that's the moment when I realized I'm not in my 20s anymore. And so what shocked me is it said that, you can understand, Jacob is 70 years old in the text. And it says, he reached a certain place, stopped for the night because the sun had set, and taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. 70 years old, he is using a rock for a pillow. This is horrible for your spine, by the way. <laughs> but, that, but that's not what's shocking to me. Now, what, what surprised me is what he did next. And I want to show you what he did. Because in verse 17, he says he was afraid, and he says, and how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head. He had placed it under his head. And he set it up. He placed it now as a pillar. And he poured oil on top of it. And he called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. So Jacob took this rock, placed it under his head as a pillow. And then he took this pillow and he placed it, set it up as a pillar. What's the point? That's what I want to tell you. When you establish a purpose, you experience its power. There's power in the place, but you don't experience the power of the place until you establish its purpose. You got to establish its purpose. Verse 22, it says that he said, hey, this stone I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. Now, the place didn't change. It's the same place. There was power in the place, but there's nothing special about the place. It's just a place. He says, I'm going to call this place the gate of heaven. I'm going to call this place the house of God. The rock is just a rock. There's nothing special about the rock. But he used the rock as a pillow, said this is going to be the purpose of it. Then he used this pillow, which was a rock, said it's going to be a pillar. I'm going to call this thing the house of God. What I'm trying to tell you is it matters what you make it. It matters what you make it. If you want to experience the power of a place, you've got to establish a purpose. Now, practically, this is the way it's helped me to give purpose to my places. It's easy for me to have time with God in the morning because I have a place where I do it. It's, it's easy for me to journal every day because I have a place where I do it. It's easy for me to write a sermon because I have a place where I do it. If you want to experience the power of a place, you got to establish its purpose. Now, this works physical spaces, places, locations, but it works digitally too. Like one of my habits, I'm always jotting down sermon ideas, right? I do it on my phone, but I do a lot of things on my phone. I have one app, one place that is for my sermon ideas. I've got sermon ideas all the way through 2022 because I've got a place where I do that. I take notes and, and listen to messages and, uh, and when I'm in church or a conference and take notes, I have a different place where I do that because I've got this one place for sermon ideas. You wanna experience the power, give it a purpose. What's, what's the place? Now, 
That's challenging to put your place, to put purpose to places practically. But let me talk spiritually for a moment because there's another way to look at this text. I told you that Jacob was on the run when we find him here. He's in trouble, he's in transition. And it'd be easy to look at his surroundings and say, those are problems. Or you could just as easily look at the same environment and say, that's part of purpose. Because see, when you're in Christ, even your problems serve a purpose. And it was Jacob's problems that brought him to this place where he could experience God's power. So when I'm telling you, you get to be the architect of your environment, what I'm telling you is where are you gonna place it? Where are you gonna place Are you gonna place it for purpose? Or are you gonna place it as a problem? Let me show you what I mean. Let's say you've had a sickness that you've been dealing with. And when I say sickness, I mean like not life-threatening, but more than a cold. Something that you've just been living with. Maybe it's been a few years. You, you've been living with this. And it'd be easy to look at this thing that you've been living with, this disability, this sickness, this disease, this thing. You've been to doctors, you can't figure it out, you don't know why you're not getting better, been dealing with the same thing. And you say, this is a problem. This is why I can't become who God has called me to become. This is why I can't be, I'm just a product of my environment. It's, this, it's a problem. Or you can place it on purpose and say, no, this is actually the very thing God is using to help me become who he's called me to become. This, this is causing me to trust God in ways that I haven't had to trust him before. This, this is causing me to, this is part of God's purposes, so I can demonstrate to people how to live with this, how to deal with this disappointment, and still become the person God's called me to be. Maybe the problem for you is hurt. Maybe you've had some broken relationships. Maybe your heart has been crushed. Maybe you've grown up in a dysfunctional family environment. You say, man, this is the problem. I can't love right because I didn't have it modeled right. I, I, I can't love freely because I'm too guarded. I've been hurt. I'm the product of my environment. This is the problem. Or you can say, no, this is part of God's purpose. I actually, because I've experienced that, I have way more compassion for people who've experienced the same thing. That this, this is the thing God is using to help me become who he's called me to become. What I'm trying to challenge you with is where are you gonna place it? You can place it as a problem or a purpose. Because what stuck out to me is that God used something that was uncomfortable to give Jacob his greatest revelation. And maybe God wants to do the same thing for you. The things that you thought were holding you back, God was actually using to set you up to move you forward. That's the power when you put it in the right place. You can be strengthened by it or you can struggle because of it. You can place it in a spot that's gonna make you bitter or you can place it in a spot that's gonna make you better. But you get to decide where you're gonna place it. And I'm just gonna end with this, I'll tell you this. It is hard to be the right person when you're in the wrong place.
It's hard. A lot of us don't need more willpower. We don't need more motivation. We don't need greater discipline. The problem is we're putting ourselves in places that are not helpful for who God has called us to become. That's why the Bible doesn't tell us to resist temptation. I don't know if you know that. Scripture never says resist temptation. It says resist the devil, but it tells you to flee temptation. In fact, it says when you're tempted, don't think that what you're tempted with is something uncommon, but know this, that God who's faithful always provides a way of escape. So the problem is the place. And it's hard to be the right person when you're in the wrong place. What I love about this story is that in Jacob's journey, he still has 490 miles to go, but he's discovered that there's power in this place. And the power he discovered in this place let him know that God will be with him while he's on his way to his destination. It was always there, but he wasn't aware of it. Can I tell you, there's power in this place. There is power in this place to help you become who God has called you to become. And the reason there's power in this place is because Jesus died in a place called the skull, on a place called the cross, to establish a place for you in heaven and establish the purpose of his church. If you would have looked at it, it wouldn't have looked like victory. It looked like death. It looked like defeat. It looked like the end. It looked like a problem. But God said, I'm going to use that that looks like a problem, and I'm gonna put it for my purpose of victory. If you believe that, then God says, I'll come make my home in you. And we can do this. I'll help you. You don't have to do it alone. You can become who God's called you to be. You can know peace. You can be made new. Whatever things in your life, whatever your past, whatever's holding you back, Scripture says those old things have passed away. They're no more. All things have become new. Thank you so much for joining us for this teaching at Velocity. For more great messages just like these, remember to subscribe. That way you won't miss anything. If today's message impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can do that by going to findvelocity.org give and partnering with us financially. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope this message inspired you, built your faith, and helped you see how God is moving in your life.